Greetings, everyone. I'm excited to have my next guest on the show. I'd like to introduce Ming Sheng Hong, co-founder and CEO of Blue Sky. Ming Sheng, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ben. Great to be here. Yeah, great to have you here. So let's kick this off. Tell us a little bit about your SaaS background. So we started Blue Sky about eight months ago. And before this, I worked uh, at Google as an engineering lead for about nine years. And there, as you know, we built uh, the infra for Google's internal uh, processing, like mission critical ads, mm -hmm. search, and so on. And so it's an internal version of the cloud. I was fortunate to lead a team to build the storage and querying engine underneath the $100 billion ads. And it's exciting, but also sometimes it's nerve wracking to see each transaction going through my code, my team's code, lots of learning. Uh, later, I moved to a team where we built a new backend for TensorFlow. So that's the AI engine that powers the mission critical workloads. And some companies, including of course GCP, uh, also deploys AWS, so deploys TensorFlow on the cloud. Mm -hmm. So in some form, these are also SaaS products. And before okay. this, I uh, worked in uh, database companies, but they were on-prem. And so the real SaaS journey for me, uh, it started in Blue Sky earlier this year. And I, I believe we'll talk more about that. Yeah, definitely. Well, appreciate that intro. So an in software engineer by trade just recently came from Google. So a long background and on that technical side. And so, yeah, you launched Blue Sky just eight months ago. So tell us, yeah, tell us what Blue Sky does. Sure. So Blue Sky focuses on uh, data cloud processing. We provide the visibility and the optimization to help people retain high cost efficiency in their data cloud investment. Our initial focus is Snowflake. And we're eight months in, fortunate to have a very strong funding team, build our first product and onboarded over a dozen companies at this point. They are, of course, by definition, Snowflake users, mm -hmm. and they use Blue Sky, uh, a, a SaaS product, to provide the continuous monitoring and alerting on their usage, so that they can react to uh, new events, anomaly patterns, and so on, uh, that reduce their ROI. And not only do we detect them, one of our key differentiators is we also provide the optimization recommendations, not just a bunch of dashboard signals, observability, but the recommendations that are really powerful. People can incorporate and go and make their workloads faster and cheaper at the same time. Well, really interesting. So, right, monitoring the usage, alerts, anomalies, but also you said the optimization. So then I assume that helps manage their spend efficiently on those platforms? Yes, exactly. And then, so focus on Snowflake. So would this expand to other platforms than data cloud platforms or just focused on Snowflake? Yeah, so what's great about the data ecosystem is it's pretty standardized at this point. The different data products speak some variants of the SQL language and they connect through common a set of common protocols like ODBC, JDBC, Python connector. And so even though we started with Snowflake, on the roadmap, we want to expand to covering multiple cloud data platforms. And we're seeing an increasing trend 
where users are looking to try out or even adopt in production a set of these cloud-based uh, data platforms. So they, they can leverage their individual strengths. Interesting. And so tell us about your pricing model. Is this you know, you know, a pure subscription? Is it usage consumption? How do you charge your customers for your platform? Yeah, that's one of the most important topics for a SaaS product. And we have gone through quite an interesting journey and I'm sure it will continue to evolve. Initially, when my co-founder Jun and I started the company, and Jun, by the way, was uh, most recently leading Uber's data platform team, and he led the team to realize a very large amount of saving for Uber's internal big data compute. Uh, we don't usually quote the number here, so I'll omit, but mm -hmm. it's a jaw-dropping amount of uh, money and the impact. And so we decided we will put together our knowledge across building machine learning and data infra for making things faster and cheaper, put it together to kind of help data cloud users achieve high cost efficiency. So the initial idea is let's just anchor on uh, taking a percentage of the saving we landed. So even though the value we deliver goes beyond just cost saving, mm -hmm. by saving money, we do so by making the workloads faster. So faster means they can analyze more data, more skill, and more productivity because people don't need to wait as much. But let's try to capture the value through just taking a percentage of the saving, the value-based uh, kind of pricing model. And we soon discovered it's got very sharp edges. The stress is, well, people conceive this as a no-brainer. So it's very easy for us to get initial trial users, even though we are kind of a no-name to start with. But uh, there are a couple of cans that we kicked down the road, such mm -hmm. as the need to negotiate with people regarding exactly how much money is being saved. As you know, Ben, the saving involves some future projection. Let's we detected some really expensive and new emergent pattern. And thanks to our tool, we can detect and work with the user to take it down within a day or two, as opposed to them finding it in the next you know, three, six months down the road. The question is, once we take it down, should we project the saving to the next three months, 12 months, and so on? So some subjectivity there. And so recently, we decided we're going to just go with a simpler flat uh pricing model, t-shirt sizes for mm -hmm. small versus medium versus large enterprises. The pricing scheme may continue to evolve to your point earlier. We might want to go with some kind of usage-based uh, model down the road, Ben, but we mm -hmm. don't have enough data to anchor on the right metric. For example, some companies anchor on taking a percentage of the underlying cloud system that they monitor and provide cost optimization. The problem though is it might be perceived as a conflict of interest. If we take X percent of Snowflake spend, for example, mm -hmm. but aren't we also interested in reducing its spend? So right. this is the kind of um, dilemma we try to define away. We want to maybe anchor based on some other metrics, which we, our product is not influencing in the future, mm -hmm. but that's still uh, under investigation. Yeah, and pricing it, right, always hard, even if you're mature SaaS, but early stage SaaS, figuring out that pricing model. So you said, started off percentage of savings, so kind of a value-based model, but kind of 
spiky, sharp edges to that? And then how do you keep that savings going once you've reduced their spend, maybe you're optimized their spend. So now you've shifted to more of a simple flat pricing model, kind of, you know, maybe small, medium, large, and then see how that goes. Yeah. Yes. It's easier for people to plan their financing around that. And we tend to over deliver based on what we charge. Even in the first couple of weeks of trial, we tend to deliver so lend so much saving such that when they then pay a fraction of the cost for the next one year of subscription, it tend to a pretty uh, kind of low risk, uh, high kind of ROI uh, engagement yeah. for our users. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So you founded your company eight months ago, so founded 2021. And where- actually, earlier oh, this year. Oh, I, you know what? This year is going by so fast. So yeah, early 2022, you're right. Uh, I'm, I'm behind a couple months. And then where is your company primarily located? You know, in a post-COVID era, <laughs> uh, many companies do what's called remote first. Yep. Uh, we don't yet have an official headquarter. No, there's, of course, a paper mail address. It's actually mm-hmm. our lead investor, Greylock's address. And they're kind enough to let us have access to their beautiful Menlo Park office uh-huh. when the team needs for whiteboard discussion. We looked into local real estate, mm-hmm. but if we're only going to use the office two or three days at max a week, then it simply doesn't justify the cost. So we decided instead half of our team is not in the Bay Area anyway. We're hiring kind of within US and even in Canada, similar time mm-hmm. zones. And we flew everyone to Mountain View about two months ago, uh, rented a beautiful seven bedroom Airbnb. We had such a good time there and it's lower cost. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Use the rent money and, and apply it towards these in-person meetings. That's great. It's nice of Greylock to let you use their offices every now and then. So uh, yeah, really interesting. And yeah, pretty common now, remote first and just dis- distributed all over the place. And tell us about your team size, say employees and contractors. What does what your team size look like right now? We have about 12 full-time members still growing fast. We're hiring another four or five full-time engineers as we speak. We have job postings. So audience who has an engineering mindset or who are product expert or on GTM sales and so on, we would love to uh, talk to them. Uh, we're in a free, pretty kind of fast growing mode. Yeah. And we have additional part-time contractors as well. So even though we're a C-stage company before Series A, pre-product market fit, uh, we were fortunate to raise a pretty sizable round uh, during the seed round that we announced maybe a month ago mm-hmm. through TechCrunch article and so on. So raised close to $9 million. Mm-hmm. And so we're looking to kind of have a pretty high bar for the next round, raising the next round. And so uh, we need a strong uh, team and very mm-hmm. fortunate to have a very strong funding team so far and looking to expand. That's great. And we'll get to the, the fundraising in a second, but how with some of the tech layoffs right now that we're seeing, uh, do you see any change for that competition and engineering talent, or is it still very, very competitive to find uh, engineers? Yeah, the market uh, seems to be more friendly to early stage startups uh, to some degree compared to when we started in the February, March timeframe. Mm-hmm. That being said, uh, so far, we have been having pretty good track record in hiring. One of our key principles is hiring what we call so-called missionary, non-missionary. And so we really make sure that 
there is strong passion and alignment to the mission and with the founders, the culture. And once we establish that, we have never had a case where we weren't able to work together due to compensation reasons. So that's how we kind of handle the hiring process. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great. And so, what about the scale of your company right now? Anything you want to share around ARR revenue ranges? Anything like that to get a sense of scale? We are still pretty early on. We're closer to zero than one million ARR. <laughs> All right. All right. That's fair. That's fair. Closer. To but, this. Uh, we've got a lot of great uh, interest, not yep. just from the VCs, from the customer front. Snowflake itself has more than I think six. 6,800 customers, very impressive, mm-hmm. with uh, NRR in the range of 170%. And uh, we are seeing a lot of demand that we're not, we don't have the capacity to handle. So mm-hmm. this is kind of a good pain to have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we think there will be a lot of continued growth given from Garner and others. The majority of the analytical data, big data is not even on the cloud yet. So we have all of us, Snowflake, uh, Blue Sky and other cloud data vendors have the work cut out for us in the next five mm-hmm. to 10 years. Oh yeah, definitely. And how are you early stage right now, just launched eight months ago. How are you finding these early adopters or early customers? So initially when Jen and myself you know we're kind of researching and figuring out what's a good initial product to build, we tapped into our own network. We have some friends that, uh, are running large-scale data cloud platforms in their company, Snowflake, Databricks, and so on. So we're in a fortunate position where before we built out a product, we were invited into some of the companies for consulting work. So that helped us build a relationship, deliver some value, and also gain a deeper understanding of the problems. It became clear to us that for a startup a database, cloud database startup in 2022, the best angle is not to build another backend, yet another backend. There are many out there. They all have their merits, pros and cons, but we need a layer that provide the monitoring and optimization for them, sort of the middleware. So this is the a great entry point we picked. Mm-hmm. And we didn't predict this, but you know, given the market turn, the now kind of the people in a more cost conscious mm-hmm. world with the layoffs and so on. Uh, we are also getting uh, more business over the last couple months. Mm-hmm. Uh, the strongest kind of hurdle at this point is has been people kind of the, the apathy, right? They, they don't feel this is uh, important enough. Companies uh, used to focus on growth, not mm-hmm. profit, not efficiency. But now it, it looks like uh, the minds are starting to change. And this is a very hot emerging market in the data cloud area. Mm-hmm. In contrast, the adjacent uh, area, public cloud is very established and also crowded with these cost visibility and optimization mm-hmm. tool. But data cloud layer for Snowflake and others mm-hmm. is just emerging. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. And so you just raised a seed round. So you said what 9 million or almost 9 million raised. And that seems pretty fast, right? You founded the company just eight months ago. So tell us how did that come about that you just, you know, a month ago announced a seed round, which I'm guessing was then we back up months prior to that. So you found the company and almost immediately raise a seed round. So tell us about that story. 
Yeah, so we were in a fortunate position, Ben. So we are what people might call two guys with a slide deck. <laughs> <laughs> we have written extensive code and built products in the past, but for Blue Sky, it's all new. Before this journey, Zheng and I both were working in uh, respectively uh, Uber and Google. So also due to IP reasons, we didn't want to write any code. Mm -hmm. And so uh, when we started having informal discussion with VCs, uh, and also thanks to the friends I mentioned that they can kind of speak to the problems. They can talk about the value of building products in the space of data cloud cost optimization space. Um, it was pretty fast, took us a couple of weeks to line up some good term sheets. And that was also before the market downturn. So we mm -hmm. finalized the transaction uh, in the March timeframe. So all of these factors helped. I guess also, you know, each of Zheng and myself had about 15 years of experiences mm -hmm. using ML and data infra uh, in various kind of world-class uh, organizations. So we were fortunate to have this past background that kind of culminate to starting the Blue Sky mission. Mm -hmm. And so is this right? So when you were looking at term sheets, had you written any code yet or you were just pitching the concept and the idea at that point in time? It's the latter. Okay, so pitching the concept. We pointed to some past work we have built, yep. including what's publicized and what's being even in the open source uh, context. For example, Zhen was a founding engineer in a very influential SQL engine over Hadoop product called Hive uh, about 10 years ago. And so many people know about his work. And mm -hmm. I have done some earlier work at a database startup called Vertica that was later uh, widely deployed, including being used in Uber for a while. And so I was fortunate to lead a team to build an auto-tuner there, a database designer that provide continuous tuning for people's workloads. Mm -hmm. So all of these past experiences help inspire our confidence that this problem is solvable and also kind of give us the passion that this is a very worthwhile mission to take on in the next decade. Yeah, so really interesting. So pitching the concept, but really your experiences, your co-founder experiences, where you've worked really helped uh, sell your story that you've got the experience, you got the knowledge, you got your friends, you're working using data clouds, private data clouds, so you could pitch that concept. So what, you know, any lessons for the other founders listening out there who are in that, say, idea phase, pitching a concept, no code, not even maybe an MVP yet, any lessons or tips that you can pass along to other founders who are in similar stages as you were earlier this year? Sure. So I, will, I would say that first of all, uh, find a unique angle so that it's clear the founders have a special power, a special angle, special advantage in tackling this problem. I think it's a combination of picking the problem plus the solution. If we only have one, for example, if someone is super passionate about a consumer product, but all they have done so far is enterprise, then it's not clear what their special uh, advantage is in tackling mm -hmm. the problem despite the passion. Um, on the flip side, if they have been doing great research work for two decades, but if they don't pick the right commercial problem to realize the impact, that it's not clear that technology can translate to a successful uh, long-lasting business. 
So John and I were fortunate to find an angle where our past data infra ML infra background matters. And it's so topical these days in the data cloud space with consumption-based pricing, lack of efficiency directly penalizes people in terms of the financial cost. Mm -hmm. When it's on-prem, people are paying electricity after installing, purchasing the initial setup. So the lack of efficiency doesn't necessarily translate to such kind of urgent and visible pain points. So in the data cloud era, cost efficiency is elevated as a first-class citizen, and it will become critical to transition, kind of the make complete the transition from the on-prem to cloud-based data. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is mm -hmm. to also have the abundance mindset. What's great about the VC world in the last couple years is it really exploded. So there are so many VCs out there. So it's fine after the initial conversation, uh, if the vision, the founder's vision doesn't resonate with the VCs well, that's okay. Fail fast and just move on and find people who uh, are more aligned with them, with the vision. Uh, so, you know, we are really fortunate to find some really great investors and angels uh, along this journey. Mm -hmm. And the value they provide is not just money. It is kind of all of, you know, the, the network, the expertise, the insight, past experiences, and just being a great cheerleader. That's great. I love that. I love that. Ming Sheng, we're founders. What's your special power? Pick a problem plus the solution and then fail fast, right? If that vision, I've heard that before with other founders, if that vision doesn't resonate with the investors, you know, move on, find someone who really believes in your mission, what you're trying to solve. So exciting stuff, not even in business eight months yet, raised, you know, almost 9 million seed rounds. So as we wrap up here, what's next for your company? What's coming up that's really exciting? The next step, uh, the big next step is to prove uh, so-called product market fit. We talk about PMF almost mm -hmm. every day. We want to prove it by first converting about a dozen users. Many of them are still not paying yet and figure mm -hmm. out which ones have seen enough value to pay, which ones are no longer in our ideal customer profile uh, range. So we can kind of uh, pause and mm -hmm. work on a new uh, kind of set of accounts. Uh, this is really exciting time because they have given us beautiful testimonials. If you go to our website, getbluesky.io, we have some of the most amazing testimonials. Question is, will they pay? <laughs> so this is a scary moment of truth. And I look forward to finding out. And we're already building out a world-class sales marketing team. And we're looking to then uh, find and onboard a set of new leads. We can articulate our product strategy, our ICP, better we have a better mm -hmm. pricing model now so i feel there's so much work ahead of us really excited about it yeah that's exciting right get those free users get them to pay it if they're not a fit then who's right who's your icp refine that and go to market uh so i love that so i think you mentioned it we're going to wrap up here but if if someone wants to learn more about your company it sounds like we should send them to get bluesky.io is that correct Yes, Ben. So if people search Blue Sky, there might be a dozen other <laughs> similar names out there. But uh, for now, our website is get, getbluesky.io and I would welcome LinkedIn invites, uh, Twitter followers, etc. Happy to engage and chat about SaaS, mm -hmm. startups, and cloud data uh, cost efficiency as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, amazing. Amazing journey so far as an engineer and now as a founder. So Ming Sheng, really appreciate the insights, sharing your story and your background. And, and thanks for uh, coming on the show today. Thank you, Ben. It's been a great pleasure.